0: Hi everyone and welcome to Veterans in Crisis podcast. It's been a long while since we did one, so I'm really happy to introduce Joseph Mitchum. Uh, he's ex-Parareg, but he's also an author, and he's here to talk about his third book. All right, Matt, how's it going?
1: Yeah, also, ex-Royal Signals.
0: Yeah, I, I, I left that out that on character. purpose for you. I left <laughs> that out first for you, man. I Oh, <laughs> fucking hell. I'm not, I'm not that harsh. Yeah, I
1: know. <laughs> yeah, everyone likes that, oh, yeah, Parareg, Parareg, oh, but really it's a scaly. I've been a scaly much longer
0: than I've been. Yeah, I, listen, I'll just try and big you up, all right? I'll just try and big you up. I'm just going to tell people as well, Joe's just said that your head's not as <laughs> shiny this time. Now we've got the new lights so, or You've been on before, you know what I mean? Yeah, I had With, to sound
1: it. Yeah, well, this is
0: one of the reasons Joe said he can come back on if his head's not as shiny. So, <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for coming on anyway. Anyway, today's show is sponsored by Budweiser. So, if there's any free Budweiser, send it round here. Thanks very much, right, mate. Thanks
1: nice. for having me back. <laughs> Places come on leaps and bounds, it does, so and it, it does.
0: So I, I t- you know, Joe's the man behind the scenes who does it all, like to be quite honest, and it's supposed to work out better. All i seeing at the minute is blinding us with these lights, to be honest. I'm sure when I'm not here, he's grown weed. It's like interrogation. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so, thank you very much for coming, mate. I know you've got a busy busy lifestyle. You've been picking the kids up from football and, you know, we've run around all night and we're now we're quite late now into the, the night. Um, so thanks very much for coming in. If we want to talk a little bit about, um, we'll basically have a, a little bit of a laugh about you, uh, about our army craze, and then, we we'll are into your books. I, I mean, I, I suspect people will have seen you on the f- other podcast. But if not, we better talk about your first and second book as well, you know. Yeah. And then you might get some sales out of it, you know what I mean? And we only work on commission on here, so it's not going to cost you much.
1: You, you make about
0: 20p. <laughs> <laughs> it's 20p more than I've got.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, um, yeah, like I say, it's a series of books. My <laughs> plan is not to bother marketing them at all until I've got about the seventh book out. So all right. Yeah, the plan is just to write, 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 write. And then when the series
0: is nearly done, uh, then I'll be firing a lot of marketing into the first book. Well, I, did, I I'm not a reader of books. Um, I I like when you just watch a telly or watch a thing, so I'll wait a little on Netflix to be quite honest. But I did read your first book. What you give us when you came on it? Now I took it on all day with us, and I, I was it was really good, really good. The idea of it. So for anybody who doesn't know it's called the watch list, uh, it's terrorists. In fact, you why don't you describe it? You wrote it.
1: Yeah, so uh, I got the idea by watching the news. And, you know, when you see a terror attack and they go, oh, the, the perpetrator was known to the authorities, he was on the UK terror watch list. I just thought, what if a load of blokes like us got hold of that watch list? What would we do with it? And, um, yeah, so it's basically devising a story of, how you'd still watch this, taking it to a load of ex-Special Forces guys. And then, um, yeah, basically, maybe putting an end to a few of the bad guys.
0: It's a, it's a dream to... Absolutely, feel
1: that really. <laughs> <it>? <laughs> yeah, well that's, that's how I got because I've never, never even thought of writing anything before, and I, I, there's no way you can infuse yourself to sit down and write hundred thousand words unless you think it's a really good idea and it's something that sort of sets the blood flowing. So, um, yeah, that's um,
0: is that is that what you aim for? Hundred thousand words.
1: Yeah, the, the first book was hundred one thousand. I think the second book was ninety six or ninety seven thousand, and uh, the third one was similar.
0: So you get lazier,
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm getting more efficient, or <laughs> so, like, less. Less words, so you're straight
0: to the point. <laughs> yeah.
1: But yeah, they, they are fairly long books. Most most novels, the average novel is about seventy seventy five thousand words.
0: All right. Uh, well, so, like I say, I enjoyed the first one. I enjoyed the idea. I, I picked up, and I and I would imagine most military people would pick up on that idea straight away. Well, I don't know about the air force, but like <laughs> people <apparently> in the <laughs> army would have <laughs> yeah, a bit of a
1: dig at the RAF regiment in the end of the first book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they are tough guys, though. <laughs> so, I right, moving on to second book then.
1: It's a, there's a there's a very bit part character called Tony Blunt who was a bit of a radicalised paraj guy in the in the first book, and he gets gets a bit of a dig and sent on his way. And uh, the second book's called Where Is Tony Blunt?
0: Cockney Rhyme Slung?
1: No. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose it is, really, because it's a complete... um second, <laughs> sorry. And, um, yeah, so T- Tony Blunt uh, disappears and they, they realise they need to go and find him. And, um, yeah, so the, the second story is basically them trying to track him down and get hold of this uh, emerging terror network. Um, at the same time trying to catch him before he does what he's going to do because he's got a bit of a master plan on the go with a bit of an atrocity of his own. So, um, yeah, that's the second book.
0: And then the third book.
1: Yeah, so Hitting Home, the The emerging terror organisation kind of got onto the fact that there's a gang of these ex-squaddies uh, trying to get hold of them. Um, so they decide to sort of preemptive strike and hit back at them. Um, so they start hitting members of the families of of the... The gang that we're sort of following through, through the first two books, and that that sort of leads them second half of the book. No spoilers, but up in Sundland. Sunderland. So pretty much all the second yeah. half of the books up in up in Sunderland.
0: Yeah, and I think somebody quite famous is it is rowing in that boat as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was uh, searching for a character, <laughs> and I found one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, to me, I was when you asked it, I was like, yeah, yeah. Like I thought you were joking at first could you put me in it and I was like yeah yeah but only if you I wear Adidas trainers and you <laughs> <Yeah>. did. <laughs> I did I'd have been good if you fucking Nike Air on us
1: yeah got the gazelles in there
0: yeah. <laughs> did I was buzzing when you sent it up I actually thought you were joking at first and when you sent it like I was like fucking hell yeah, had a sexy done it yeah. so I, I I thank you for that because obviously that's never going to happen again in my life
1: <laughs> yeah, that's cool no no I had um, uh, the reddit Red and white gazelles in there, and you yeah. like nah, that's a bit too macam. Made yeah. of green in the end. Yeah,
0: see green GTX because <laughs> the Gore Tex and the weather was bad. See, I'm always thinking. <laughs> so I it, it's centered all around Sunland, isn't it? So people obviously from Sunland reading it has gone to pick up straight away of the way you, you use the uh, the road layout, the sort of the E one two three one, and st- you know what I mean, different things and round the. I don't want to keep too much away, but round the.
1: Yeah, I Hinden use everywhere see. from uh, the Roker Seafront through the the High Street. Um, Hendon gets quite a big yeah. mention in it because it's kind of based around an event. Uh, the remember you remember the two ships races yeah. twenty eighteen that I worked on for Sunderland Council. I was Council. just
0: going to say you worked on that, didn't you? So yeah. that's where all your information come from. Yeah, you just so, sucked uh, it all
1: in, didn't you? And <laughs> later on,
0: <laughs> later on, I'm writing a book about this.
1: Yeah, so it was um, it's actually set in twenty seventeen, um, and it's not. The tall ships races. It's just a, a maritime festival. Yeah, a load of tall ships there, but basically, yeah, very similar event, and um, yeah, lo- lots of visitors and a, a massive potential target for the terrorists.
0: Well, I hope it goes well. Well, not the terrorist attack. I mean, the book. Hi. <laughs> 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 right, so we're, obviously, we'll be advertising that for you when when sure. putting it on our website and putting it on our. um podcast and the uh, social media sites so we'll put the picture on and everything of that hopefully get some sales for you
1: i'm gonna have to send you some up because again yeah. my admin vortex tonight was um, uh, too busy mate, yeah, man, nothing, yeah. nothing in it the busy. back of the car normally the I've got a box of books in the so back of the car. Last,
0: the, you said you give us some uh, signed copies of the first one yeah
1: yeah
0: i'll do, do you a couple of those i right, know nice. so do us one of the set and i will yes so then i'll have the set yeah uh, the set is, uh, I'm not going to read. I'm going to get someone to read them for us. <laughs> <it. laughs> I wait and you've got, you're rich and you pay someone to do that Tartan one because that costs a fortune. Oh,
1: audio book, yeah. Right. Uh, I, I researched it after the second one to do the two books. It was going to be 3,100 quid of a proper audio uh, actor. So I, I'll tell everyone, I, I tried recording a paragraph of it myself on oh, my, uh, on my phone recorder. And when I played it back, it sounded like David Beckham having a stroke. And I was like, <laughs> No one, no one is going to pay to listen to this. <laughs> <I don't
0: know. laughs> Some Liverpool fans probably would. <laughs> so what's going on the rest, your, uh, the rest of your life, mate, apart from busy doing the writing?
1: Um, still kind of enjoying retirement from the, from the forces. Um, haven't really found another proper job since Sunderland. Um, I've been doing sort of a bit of work for the army here and there, um, most recently Commonwealth Games. Oh, what was um, that like? Oh, it was great, great fun. Yeah, I was, I was down there and sort of amongst it with um, the sort of induction of getting the troops ready to go into to working in the, the venues and doing all the, the security and all the other bits and bobs that the military were doing. Excellent. Um, which meant my work was done pretty much before the games kicked off. So I got to go and make sure the troops were all right and, yeah, and watch and their the venues and watch the <laughs> sport <yeah.
0: laughs> It's good score <laughs> that totally yeah, fair cool. play.
1: They got their pound of flesh out of me. Right. It, I was I was pretty busy Um stressful and nah, not stressful I, I, I we we had to rush a few things through a bit quicker than we'd like to have done but it was basically just doing the same thing on a different time scale I knew exactly what to do troops knew what they needed to do everyone was happy
0: good good I mean I, I watched a little bit but I'm not a, a big uh, athletics fan like, but I watched a little bit just because it was in England really to be quite honest
1: yeah yeah and Birmingham did a great job like loads of athletes uh, were actually military as well so there's quite a few mm. from different regiments taking part uh, that's always sports.
0: good when it comes on isn't it that would like and that spikes you in well my interest spikes your interest straight away when they, when they say oh the whatever regiment or anything well i'll watch that one
1: yeah and it's even better that the some of the regiments that were being represented were actually on the games as the um um like the assisting force. All oh, right. So we, uh, the uh, the military, managed to get those groups of soldiers off duty where they could to go and watch the the sort of uh, regimental brothers and sisters taking part. That's
0: well. a kind of score, like isn't Bleam it? And, yeah. yeah, it's really good. That like, never ever happened like that when I was in the fucking army. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the library, like so. That's probably why. So g- going back to the uh, old time in the forces, so. You started off in the signals, or you started off in the I Started
1: parades. Uh, I joined as a just basically for the challenge, getting through P company and getting into the Paris, um, and then because I had my A levels, once I got into battalion, uh, the, ne- the next challenge was to see if I could take that a bit further with the uh, intellectual side and have a go at Sandhurst. So um, yeah, the, span- so the Paris span- sponsored me into Sandhurst, and um, yeah, came out the other end as a, a real signals officer.
0: You want to tell them? Tell them if I am watched the first one. Do you want to tell them about the uh, your medical problem?
1: Oh, the um, yes, I had um it didn't didn't come to light, but it turns out I had a hole in the heart. Know um, <laughs> what I mean? Just yeah. As one in the of and I, was, yeah. I was a bit
0: tired, but it wasn't. I was <laughs> a hole in the heart.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> <Not> wondering <special. laughs> why. All the trainer, you know, when you train for like a your mile and a half, and mm. you, you'd expect with the amount of training that you do for like elite forces, you'd be well sub eight minutes. Uh, I could never get it below sort of nine and a half, or oh, sorry, eight and a half, um, no matter how hard I train. And yeah, probably due to the fact that I had a massive hole in my heart, which was not enabling me to get the full pressure on the blood system, uh, pumping everything around the body. Um, and so yeah, hill sessions and anything sort of really high intensity, uh, always struggled with. But yeah, it's, if I have the hole in the heart, stitched up might might improve a bit
0: (laughs) it's just a mental story isn't it it's absolutely mental like you think why can i not do that and uh, that's because you've got a hole in the heart
1: yeah and then the the way i found out about it as well was um because i failed my hearing test after the second afghan tour and um you go in the box and you press the button and you fail it a couple of times then they send you to hospital just check if there's nothing like cancer on the ear canal or anything so you have an MRI scan. And when they when the MRI came back, they said, "Oh, you, you've not got anything wrong with your ear canal, but you've um, you, you've got a, a shadow over your brain. You've had a you've had a, a stroke." Um, yeah. So I, I thought oh, they must be talking about some little pea-sized little black mark or something, but it was like a proper cloud all over the left side of the brain. And um, so then they investigated the heart from there because a big cause of stroke in people, sort of in the sort of middle age bracket is um where a blood clot goes through the hole in the heart and up into your brain and then causes a stroke and uh, yeah sure enough that's uh,
0: and i just say you are going to get through this podcast aren't you because the four <laughs> floors and i'm not to you downstairs
1: <laughs> so they just chuck me downstairs <laughs> you've
0: had the skylight mate But you see, jumped <laughs> there's no way i'm going you down there like no way. <laughs> See, (laughs) always helpful in (laughs) here.
1: And uh, I, because now I'm I'm taking aspirin every day, so basically I don't get the blood clots. The the reason the blood clot that goes through you uh, causes damage is it goes through the hole in the heart, so it doesn't go through your lungs and get filtered out through your lungs before it goes to your brain. So uh, it bypasses the the filter and goes up straight to the brain and causes the blockage, and that's where you have the stroke. So um, as long as I take my aspirin every day, which I try to remember to do every day, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I shouldn't have, a, have another stroke.
0: You should put it on your phone. Beep! No, you beep on your phone. Yeah. Aspirin now. I have yeah. to do that for everything, you know. I have to do that for everything. Phone that reminders. I can never remember anything, and then so I'll put it on say for nine o'clock in the morning, and then nine o'clock at night, I'll be like, "What's that reminder for?" <laughs> 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 it's beeped early, I just turn it off. I did I, that. I was. I smoked a lot of weed when I was younger, and that, I put that down to me really bad memory. So the supposed experts see it, when you stop smoking, your memory comes back, but yeah. it's never come back for me. Like to be quite honest, it must have done too much damage. To yeah, be I'd
1: never never smoked very much weed when I was younger, but uh, I've, I've still got rubbish memory.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, it gets with age, or doesn't it? You know what I mean. Like, you know. I mean I don't I'm mean, assume my mum ever smoked much weight in her memory shit. She's eighty seven. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> She's got <to> it wrong
0: <laughs> So what's your plans for the future though, mate?
1: Um getting into a routine now. Now this Commonwealth Games job's out of the way. Um yeah, I'm just sort of settling into a routine doing sort of a couple of days work a week. And loads of fizz I'm smashing the fizz at the moment oh, yeah. uh, loads of bike got, got myself a second hand racing bike um, lots of running circuits I got my garage gym back up and running um, and then trying to fit some books I'm supposed to be spending half my weekdays writing books if, if I can get into that routine and make it work theoretically I can have a book done every sort of four months or so uh, I've not found the routine yet. there's <laughs> <laughs> always something else. Mrs. What's the washing done? Or yeah, uh, paint you know, some There's always got to be something in
0: there what, How did you manage through lockdown? Did you did you write more, or did you get more of a
1: block? Um, so I was I was doing a bit more work with the army back then until the lockdown itself, when they cut all the all the training for people on my kind of contract. Um, and then obviously the school shut as well, so I had the girls, uh, Mrs. NHS, so she she was full on proper full on getting fresh for a couple of years. Um, so it's just at home working with the kids, um, schooling the kids, and uh, yeah, not doing very much else. Did, didn't didn't get any writing done at all. No. Ironically, is when I plumped to go for the mobilisation with the with the army for a year was when I actually got to start doing a bit more writing because um, you do your eight hours and bang, that's it. Turn laptop off and there. Uh, then you can write in the evenings but uh, yeah it wasn't really till I got back mobilised that um, yeah I got any writing down at all
0: yeah well the only I, I was lucky I, I worked all the way through it so I can't imagine what it was like for people who couldn't get to work like it, it was hard coming into work and other people not coming here the only me and Claire worked in. and we had to do like outreach kind of stuff and drop stuff off and that but I did a lot of work for the NHS dropping like uh, pulse optimators and anything, you know, I just looked like I was on AT, yeah. just dropping stuff off. It was mental, wasn't it? Like, that's how bad, like, infection you thought was, uh, it was just crazy, like, yeah. now it's just a cold, isn't it?
1: Yeah. yeah, it's weird how it's kind of just died away, and I think, mean, when, when, remember when it first happened, the, the government was saying, oh yeah, we'll go for herd immunity, and yeah. everyone will be alright. That, that's what we have ended up with, I think, mm. but they, they didn't realise how many people are going to have to die to achieve that. Yeah, uh, well, without, I, uh, I remember when,
0: I remember when it said, um, on the news and said, like, we're probably going to lose 25,000. I was like, fucking nay, nay chance. I think it was 10 times that, I think. Yeah. You know, it's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, if you look at the unexplained death rates as well, there's obviously the numbers that went down to COVID. There's a massive chunk of bodies there that that never got accounted to it.
0: Yeah. But there's also some that uh, caught COVID then got knocked out by a bus and that's down as COVID. So, you know. Yeah. You'll never know how many, really... Died from it, like, but one dying is too many, isn't it? Really,
1: yeah. Well, there's uh, a lot of the ones that did die would have probably died from it, something else anyway. Mm. Um, you look at the number of people that didn't die because of flu, because of masks and stuff.
0: there well, uh, isn't a the flu anymore, of, was
1: <laughs> Exactly, yeah, um, it's great. But then you look at the bow wave of flu that came because our, our flu numbers follow Australia weirdly by a, a number of months, and you can see how many coming in Australia and my wife was looking at the Australian flu figures and she was like, this, this could get bad. But uh, yeah, lucky never seemed to sort of manifest as badly as they're expecting.
0: I, I, I caught it in there, I think I had it for two weeks. Uh, and I had it quite bad and I was demented. Like I lived in the flat downstairs two weeks, <laughs> locked up by myself.
1: I can't, was horrendous, like... The worst I had, because I, I think I probably had it very, very minor... When it f- was first out, because Michelle got it from the hospital uh, in the March, I think I got it, but this was before testing for sort of non-NHS, uh, so I, it felt like a, a bit of a cold for two days, not bedded down or anything. Um, but then when I had my second jab, I was shaking, fevering in bed for two days, um, and felt like I had it then, if anything, but it was just the just the vaccine.
0: Well, well, I you, when we went, so we all went from work for the, for the job. So we all had it, and uh, Claire was driving. And um, as we walked into the car, I said to them, oh, Is your jaw feeling funny? And they were like, No, no, I thought I was joking and that. Anyway, I get in the car and I was like, Is your arm weird? No, like, nah, I thought I was joking. I got back here, it looked like I had a stroke. Me, me eye was about it down awesome. It was, that's what they were, they Googled it, they were going, you've got to be like that all the time. <laughs> My glasses were like that. I looked, looked absolutely mental. Me, me arm went completely numb all down one side. I had to go home, I think it was two o'clock. I, I had it at about eleven. I had to go home at two o'clock. I was in bed at six o'clock, and I had this stubborn pain behind me every six seconds for the rest of the night, all the way through the night. In the end, I had to go to the doctors and get these special tablets for it and attack me uh, nervous system or something it's fucking proper proper, honestly (laughs) I don't know I look like that uh, of the (laughs) goonies
1: hey you guys (laughs) I I, I can't remember which jab it was but I nearly nearly actually died one of the jabs (laughs) fucking hell (laughs) (laughs) how did you just fling that in (laughs) I was saying about that that, um, road bike I bought Uh, I rode it over to um, one of the pharmacies over in Middleton St George um, just for a ride out and got my jab at that pharmacy and it all built it, booked in over there. So I got got the jab done, had to wait 10 minutes, rode, rode back to the town. As I come over the Humback Bridge and round the corner onto the high street, uh, it, it'd been raining, ridiculous thin racing tyres I've got on this new bike I've never, I've never ridden on before. I've been, normally been on my big mountain bike, chunky tyres. Came round this bend on wet tarmac Static traffic about 15 yards in front of me. Slammed the brakes on. Wheels went sideways. I was like, I'm going to die. <laughs> so <laughs> took my things off the brakes, straightened up, but I was on the wrong side of the road, heading straight to a Porsche Cayenne. So banged up the kerb and <laughs> just about managed to stop before I went through the funeral director's <laughs> window. <laughs> that it? <laughs> it? was straight <laughs> in.
0: That would have been honey. we <laughs> just left you there. <laughs> I tell you, I never ever ride a bike when I used to work with Jaw at a, at a, um, charity, I thought, oh, I'm getting fit, ride a bike to work, and anyway, it was icy, didn't realise it was icy, I don't wear a helmet, or anything, I am earphones in, so I was coming in the corner, and I just, slid sideways, and the taxi was coming towards us, right, and, I was just sliding on the floor, and the taxi was, keep coming, and in the earphones, and know that song, I'm happy, by Pharrell Williams that's how I was singing right and I was ended up under the like there's a the bottle. I was under the taxi like that and people were trying to drag us out lad. and all I could hear was that and we shouted like, you alright but I couldn't hear that fucking song so every time I listen to that song now I think I'm sliding under the
1: yeah, taxi cold swears
0: <laughs> so I, I tell you I, I bought a bike a new bike after that and uh, I think I've been on it twice it must be about five year old now and it's still in the shed yeah. got a flat tyre so there's no point using it now is there I just walk everywhere to see if I... <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, I'm determined not, not to let that happen. But it's one I bought. So it's, it's not it's not an expensive one or a flash one or anything. It's just functional. Right. Oh, yeah. um, I'm getting to the age now where my knees are going. Paratrooper standard. Yeah. You know, so,
0: um, you foot and stroke keep, and you're holding the heart grade. now yeah. to your knees. <laughs> they're not, they're, yeah, if you put a claim in, they'll not say that's of the Paris. No, it's definitely not. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? To say it? no, no, definitely not. That's definitely not off carrying all that kit. No, yeah. the kit was as big as me, yeah. weird as much as me. I think that has something to do with that, me having a bad back. No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. Jim Ganner. Right. You're
1: the smallest, do you carry that? <laughs> oh, no, no, I, I, I was the biggest that gave it right. I gave of me. Like you say, it, it should be the small bloke that gets it because he can carry more out the door when you jump out the hurt because you're all up weight. But, uh, nah,
0: I oh, thought it was just punishment because I, I was cheating. <laughs> <laughs> That's <a> <laughs> all. Right, mate, thank you very much for coming in. It's been really, really good. Is there anything you want to get across? Any...
1: Let no, me just um, just big up the the fun I'm having writing. Um I've I've sp- it's amazing how many people I've met that started writing that you'd never even dream that they even have the idea, let alone follow it through and, and get something down. But um yeah, just uh, don't don't ever think you can't be an author. Um so you all you need to do is start writing words. I mean, if your grammar's rubbish and you're spelling shit, don't worry, word or sort that out or you, someone will look at it for you. As long as you've got a decent story, it's you, you can wild away hours, literally, bit of musical in the background, no shit TV, put Facebook down for a bit, and it's um, yeah, just a different way to pass the time. It's
0: weird because like, I've never, ever met an author before. Now, through this, I've met three really good authors, all veterans. Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, just, being from the infantry, that's what you wouldn't expect, you know what I mean? But exactly. it, it is, it's good. And, and like you've used your experience for these books. That's what they have done you know yeah. and, uh, it's it's great I think yeah it's
1: not it's not the english language it's the dick. Yeah. as long as you got the dit
0: you right. start all right. but you can, you need to get them on there speak and so I and listen to them talking oh, yes. books all right <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sick i just haven't got the time <laughs>
1: yeah, people, people listen me in their cars and yeah yeah well I'd, you, i would do it when i was at out.
0: the gym or when i'm running or anything like that i like i enjoy doing that and uh, i'm not uh, i just have not got the time to sit there and read a book you know it's, i've never ever read books but you know, nah. time will tell.
1: I think I first probably started reading a Ranulph Fine's book, *The Feathermen*, when I was a captain in Colchester Two One Six. And um, even then, yeah, I got bitten by the bug a bit. But I probably only still only read one book every three or four months or so, and then not not read them until.
0: I'm sorry, I've only read one book and every fifty two years
1: or so. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's mine. <laughs> What's <that laughs> <difficult time?
0: laughs> Right, thank you very much, mate Cheers. It's been yeah, a pleasure. Having us. Right, uh, come on again. Your next book.
1: FA.
0: All right. Thanks a lot. <laughs> cheers, man. Cheers, Cheers. cheers.